0: Hey, everybody! Our guest Bahia has provided a coupon code for her website, drartwork.com. Coupon code subcutaneous, all caps. That is good for 15% off any order there. I encourage everyone to pop on over and check it out. We love their artwork. Uh, I have purchased and commissioned pieces from her before. This is uh, non-disclosure here. We are not being paid anything for this. This is just a nice little bonus for you guys. So pop on over and check it out. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to Subcutaneous, a beneath-the-skin look at medicine with myself, Dr. Goddard.
0: And me, David, a failed medical student. Uh,
1: Come on, you didn't even try.
0: (laughs) That makes me a doctor in New Jersey.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Today, we have a very special guest joining us from France.
0: This is Bahia Dijani.
1: Who is a medical student in France and um, is joining us to chat about her experience as a French medical student.
0: Yeah, so this should be uh, quite interesting. I don't, uh, First of all, welcome. Hello.
1: Hello, thanks for having me. Bahia.
0: So we met, uh, ran into Bahia via her actual business, her online business, which is DrArtwork.com, where she sells kind of very interesting and cool anatomy artwork and different styles and stuff that's just themed towards, you know, doctors and physicians and all all things medical. And I ran across her website and saw several interesting pieces and I shared them with friends, and uh, I did end up purchasing a few pieces and commissioning something through Lindsay, and kind of through commissioning a piece, we started chagging a bit, and asked her very early on if she'd be interested in coming on the podcast and discussing what it's like to be a French medical student, and not only that, but here later on, we'll talk about uh, what it's like to run a business as a medical student. And
1: Yeah, incorporate that art into medicine to kind of let your two passions collide we'll hear about that
0: too
2: okay i'm very excited to share the journey with Yay!
0: so where we always start is at the very beginning can you tell us um what well, where were you born
2: okay so surprisingly i was born in algeria so it's uh in the north of africa so we're immigrants and now like we live living in paris france it's the place where um
1: have in my uh, medical
2: degree so far when did
1: you move to paris how old were you uh, it
2: was after high school i think uh, around 17 years old something like that
0: okay so you you're a fairly recent transplant what was uh brothers and sisters or
2: yeah so we moved all together uh we're family of four and so far like for them they're, well, they're studying at the university and for me it's the same case also
0: Okay, well, well what was it like growing up um, in Africa? What, what kind of what was life like th- at that stage? Did you have any idea of where you were going to go or be or what sense of self did you have then?
2: Actually it was kind of, as I said, surprisingly like we haven't planned to move on um but uh at a certain point we wanted a higher uh, quality of degree so kind of like moved out and here we are like because we we that we uh, speak uh, in french like mm-hmm. both countries so it wasn't like a very transitional phase kind of like similar especially that we kind of like have somehow the same culture mm-hmm. um and like even for now, I'm thinking of moving out to the US. I think I'll be forever <laughs>
1: immigrants. <laughs> well, your English is very good as well. So, when did you learn that? Is that it, as a child?
2: Yeah, I think uh, from movies, 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 and podcasts.
1: Oh, okay. So, you kind of taught yourself? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's
2: a uh, self learning process.
1: That's Amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah. No formal education. So you kinda you moved to France in pursuit of education, basically. Yeah. And so you said you had a family of four, uh brother or sister?
1: Only brothers and the
0: only girl. Oh, Spotted okay. one. <laughs>
1: You're the protected one.
0: do <laughs> what uh, do you, you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember? Did you have an idea?
1: I think I've
2: thought of being a doctor since ever, like, you know, uh, as being uh, in the childhood phase. We always, for the girls, it's we're becoming doctors and for the men, it's we're becoming engineers or something like that. Mm. And then uh, I remember the last year of my high school, I went to the U.S. uh, for an internship program uh, in IT. And that was the first period where I kind of like, um, thought, why not going into technology field? But I ended up being uh, in the medical field at the end. I said like, okay, I love technology as a hobby. So why not having it later on in parallel of what I'm going to do uh, as a medical student instead of having it as a final career?
1: So you grew up and went to school and then, so how'd you get into this program in the United States? Have you kind of always been interested in being in the U.S.? Or what kind of spurred that trip?
2: Actually, I'm a scholarship. So mm. i have just like participated and won the place. So I said, why not? Like I had at first no interest in technology, honestly. I've just been introduced in the U.S. to the technology field and so on. Like the programming and how um, kind of like we integrate the medical field with technology.
1: So at that point, did you, so this was your last year of high school that you went to the U.S. for this scholarship? Yeah, last year, like before moving out okay. to France. And then as soon as you moved to France, did you start in, into the, you know, undergrad med school combination?
2: Yeah, so for in France, is a bit different. Like we don't have bachelor degree and then master degree of medicine like you guys have. We have like uh, an integrated program for six years straight out of high school. Um, So yeah, three years of preclinical and then three years of clinical phase. Um, So I kind of like thought, okay, uh, I'm good in science and I'm quite interested in biology and so on. Like why not try and see if I get accepted? So I found myself in medical school and because medical school here is too long, like six years, I feel like that's a long process like it's not nice as if four years i mean i know you guys passed four years of bachelor before but uh, for us like it's straight six years of doing only medicine so we kind of like have some quiet space and some time free time to discover what we want other than medicine yeah. and i remember it was like in during like my second year i thought of okay i need something else to make myself busy so I started discovering any possibilities of, uh, okay, so I know how to draw. Let's start from there and make a business.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, what was applying like? And yeah. is it competitive to get into medical school in France? Is what What's that like?
2: Yeah, it's competitive. Um, it's based on the baccalaureate uh, mark you get. Uh, it's not as... I think for you guys, you have the MCAT and then you need to have a quite great CV and so on. For mm-hmm. us, it's mainly the final mark of your baccalaureate and then you get into ranking your preferable your preferable uh, specialties.
1: And for you guys, baccalaureate is high school. Yeah, the final exam of uh, oh, the high school. Okay, so it's just one exam. And is it the same for everybody in France? Yeah. So you had to yes. take the French baccalaureate when you were in high school in Africa? Yeah. Okay. The
0: Is there more than one medical school in France? Is it all kind of a socialized university system or do you get selection or is it basically like, okay, uh, you kind of select your degree, degree and then they tell you whether you got in and where you're going to go?
2: Um, For France, uh, for me, it was quite different because I uh, came uh, with uh, a baccalaureate uh, from Algeria. But for others, they go straight from the baccalaureate, like the French baccalaureate, and they get into the medical university. But for me, I had to pass another extra test so that they know that uh, it's uh, a recognisable degree and I'm ready to get into the French system. Mm -hmm. Like I had to take a French uh, exam, like the language exam and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, But even for them, uh, it's all about your final degree. And then you rank uh, the medical school. You, not the medical school, but the specialty that you want to get into. And uh, for them, it's like here in France, the medical school, uh kind of like so in the social system but we pay like very very small fees um uh, mm-hmm. monthly or every semester so every six months we pay um but it's it's not as quite expensive as in the u.s i imagine.
1: yeah um and so did you know that you wanted to go to medical school in france or did you apply for any of the systems elsewhere in europe
2: yeah so for me, I had to
1: from from the get go i I was thinking,
2: okay, let's go for medicine some some other people would consider a lot of specialties just in case that would get accepted but for me i like, I prefer having one end goal at the end instead of like having multiple things and juggling a lot of goals. It's better to be narrowed and focused mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: so one thing we talk about with a lot of people is you know what they enter thinking they're going to do when they enter you know their medical education or you know medical school is not what they end up doing it sounds like you guys have to select at the very beginning what you're going to end up doing yeah and is there any opportunity to change that uh, you know based on the experience you have in the field or are you kind of stuck on the path you're stuck on
2: yeah that's a major drawback I guess uh because uh as you said like at 18 years old, what do you know about life? <laughs> like, do you think you would pass the whole, like you would spend the whole rest of your life doing medicine? Like once you're in, it's kind of quite hard to get back. As far as like, it's quite flexible. We have like, starting from the third year, we start having uh, some kind of like community degrees. So you uh, once you finish the first three years, you have a bachelor degree. So that you get finished. And maybe someone else is interested in going for research and gets a master degree out of that. And then mm-hmm. he thinks like, okay, I'm not going to go for a medical degree and be a doctor and carry on with the specialty. I would just think about uh, maybe uh, being uh, a teacher, a professor at a university or working on a lab project or something like that. So kind okay, of like we have flexible uh, checkpoints Uh, Within uh, the whole degree for anyone to maybe reconsider at the end of uh, time.
1: Yeah. So you're not choosing what type of doctor you want to be when you go into school. You're just choosing to be a doctor versus a teacher or an engineer or or something like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then once you you do have the ability to kind of switch at several checkpoints, but so you choose. At this point you choose to become a doctor, you're gonna to go to school for six years and then you are right at the end of your six years, correct? Or... Yeah,
2: no. I'm um, currently I just finished uh, the fourth year, so I'll move into the fifth year. Oh, okay.
0: And then after this, what happens when you when you graduate? You're gonna select a specialty and then go on to study that?
2: Yeah, we have like a national exam. So for you guys I have like USMLEs and it's not as if like the one who has the highest points will get the best specialty. But for us, it's the thing. Uh, we have a national exam. Everyone is going to pass. And based on that, uh, like based on the final score you get in the exam, there is going to be a national ranking system. And those who have the first uh, the spots in the ranking list, we get some specialties that they won't. Mm-hmm. So maybe like the first one is looking maybe for psychiatry, then he gets to choose whatever he wants.
1: Yeah. Let's go back a little bit too and talk about just what those six years of undergrad slash med school, like you your medical program looks like. How are those years kind of set up? Because, you know, in, in United States, you have your four years of undergrad and then med school is pretty traditionally set up as two years of clinicals or of um coursework and two years of clinicals where you're in the hospital kind of separate separated like that it sounds like yours is a little bit more all of our the traditional eight years are kind of segregate or um combined into your six years where you're doing a little bit of hospital and a little bit of coursework is that correct and can you tell us just yeah. a little bit more about so those years uh went? yeah the first year
2: is a column pathway uh for a lot of specialties so even like uh those who want to be dentists and so on. So it's a common, hmm. we have a common uh, curriculum in the first year, biochemistry, uh, biochemistry and so on like those main uh, modules. And then the second year we start uh, getting introduced to uh, anatomy, physiology, uh, mainly uh, the normal aspects of the human body, not the pathology side. So the normal physiology. Mm-hmm the normal anatomy. Um, and then, uh, like usually during the second year, we have uh, a required uh, internship where we go and practice uh, nursery skills. And then, uh, the third year, this is the first year where we start learning how to do a clinical exam. Like For, for you guys, I think it's called the OSCEs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for us, it's uh, what we pass what we in the third year. So kind of like it's uh, the first checkpoint where we start learning about the diseases and how we interact with patients and so on. And then from uh, the fourth year, we, we start at the clinical phase. So we study in units. As an example, the fourth year, uh, we had a unit of uh, endocrinology, gastroenterology, all in one unit. And we study the same goes as an example for um. Neurology units, neurology units uh, contains neurology and psychiatry and ENT, ophthalmology. So all in one unit. Uh, so for example, cardiorespiratory units, we study about cardiology and pulmonology. Um, so we study in blocks units and then we pass the exam and so on. Like this is how uh, the, the remaining three years will go. Uh, so in the morning, we are uh, in the hospital and then In the afternoon, we have
1: classes. Hmm. So it's all kind of combined. Like I was kind of mentioning before, that's very interesting that you're learning the neurology and doing the clinicals at the same time. Um, Yeah. Which we do a little bit of, but we would never have. We didn't have as much like classroom learning during our clinical years. It was mostly hospital, and then you'd study on your own. Um, And then, do you guys do like the formalized OSCE exams too, or is it less formalized? Because an OSCE in the United States is like I'm pretty sure it stands for like observed um, supervised clinical exam where we're kind of tested on our patient skills. Yeah, for us,
2: uh, I think uh, third year was like every three months or something like that. We pass, we have a checkpoint. Okay, you're going to pass, they're going to test us on uh, the examination, neurology examination, as an example, the nervous system and then the cardiology system throughout uh, the whole three, uh, third year. We, uh, we get examined every Kind of like two months, three months. It depends on every medical school because Mm -hmm. even like with what I said, every medical school has its own curriculum and structure.
1: Yeah, they are quite flexible with that. And so then you're kind of taking up a test at the end of each module. Is this test just pass fail, or do you get scored in some sort of way? We get scored, yes. Okay, and then does that score influence your matching into a residency program in the end? No it's just kind yeah. of for your knowledge to know where you stand yeah okay
2: the final exam during the sixth year is the one that influences everything
0: okay yeah so that would be like there's step two you think they're equivalent or so mm,
1: it's hard to say because we have step one and step it's two. actually step one yeah. step
0: two okay. step three yeah.
1: it's, it's like everything all yeah. of them combined into what yeah so okay. instead of having step one yeah. two and three that we have they have one big, massive exam that is the culmination of all of those, it sounds like. And you take that yeah. when during your sixth year? Is it towards the end? Because then you still need to have time to get that score and know where you're going to do your residency, right? Yeah, it's towards the end.
2: Uh, so kind of like, you know, uh, I, I guess even like for people, I'm not quite sure because it's kind of like they're reformulating uh, the curriculum. But for now, uh, even if you fail and you in general all, rank as much higher you can pass it again one another year so it's not as if you're going to miss uh, miss it once it's gone for life no um you still have many chances as you want like for now i'm not sure if they're going to change that and set some limits for candidates
0: Hmm. so it sounds like this test is very uh one probably stressful but also very competitive in that you know this test score is going to have a huge dictation on what residencies and specialties you can get into, where I feel like kind of in the U.S. it's more of, you if you have okay test scores, you can make up for it by networking during your, you mm-hmm. know, while you're in meg school and, you know, being, you know, it, it can be as much who you know versus right. your scores and everything like that. So you can have a lot of influence out of that if you're not a super studious person, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you guys have to really kill this test if you want to get into the hardest uh, specialties. Is that the case?
1: Well, and for them too, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's not even hardest specialties, but it's also location. So you're choosing both of those things at the same time based on your score. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you get. That's right. You find out like what number you are. This is my understanding from my little knowledge of um, French medical school. But Yeah. You get kind of like an ID number with your ranking. Uh-huh. And then that determines a time that you go on and get to see the open slots that say that yes. like, you could do, like, inter- um ICU in Paris. And then it would even tell you more so it's not just in Paris, right? It's then what hospital you're at, too, in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that's so interesting to me because for us, you know, we go and interview a bunch of places and then we make – a. R- it's kind of similar because we make a rank list and they make a rank list and those are systematically matched, you know. Um, but for you guys, you just get to go in and see everything that's open and based pick. on your number, and then, yeah, you just pick. Yeah, as
2: long as
0: it, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah as
2: long as it, didn't, it wasn't taken by
1: someone else.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's Greg if you're near the top of the list and not so Greg if you're near the bottom of the list. Yeah.
1: yeah. So do people talk about what specialty they want to do? Because in the United States, you know, it's very much like, okay, I need to decide what I want to do. At least by the third year of medicine, ish, so that then I can start networking and doing things, research in that field, et cetera, so I can get into it. It would seem that maybe for you guys, you might have an idea in your head of what you might do, but there's no, you don't have to announce that essentially because it's really going to be determined by that. Yeah, you're not really going to know you until no you go exactly. and click that button on
0: the website and select. <laughs> That's, ter- exactly. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah.
2: That's terrifying, yeah. That's why we're <laughs> considering other options.
0: <laughs> so do you, I guess aside from all that, do you have an idea of what you want to do? What what would? be? Um, am more towards orthopedic, I guess. Okay. Oh, orthopedic surgery.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. Is that very and con- so another interesting thing that we talked about a little bit before we formally got on the call is just the differences in competitiveness in different specialties in the united states versus france i do know or have heard that you know the paris residencies are usually much preferred um for people like they want to stay in paris for their residency training but then the different type of specialties that you guys have are very different like my specialty dermatology very competitive in the united states not very competitive at all is my understanding in france It's
2: competitive, too. It's not in the highest list, uh, but uh, it's compared, like, I think, top five, top six, something like that.
1: Okay. So it's more competitive than I thought. But I think somebody had once told me that, like, ICU medicine, being an intensivist, is very competitive in France, Um, and, like, hospital medicine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Also, as an example, ophthalmology, uh, ENT, uh, cardiology, radiology.
1: What about orthopedic surgery? Because that's super competitive in the United States.
2: Yeah, I've heard so. Uh, actually, it's in the middle. Like, it's not that okay. very competitive and it's not in the low. That's the overall uh, situation for surgical specialties in France.
1: Okay, they're kind of in the middle. Usually,
2: people get afraid from um, surgical specialties because they're very demanding. And it's hard to set up a private practice system once you graduate. Because here in France, like most people uh, prefer the private work. Um, so usually they consider specialties where they have more autonomy in their lifestyle later on. So that's why like most of surgical specialties is mainly like for the people who are really interested in uh, the field and loves the field. And they don't think they're doing some, something else. So for me, as an example, general surgery wasn't attractive at all for me. But I I knew that I want uh, some surgical aspects uh, in my future specialty. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I want to have like a mixture uh, of clinical and surgery so I can manage the patients post-op and something like that. And maybe even like having private uh, work uh, in the future.
1: So I guess orthopedic was kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where does something like psychiatry lie then in France? Um, I'm not
2: really sure, but I think uh, top thirty, something like that, top twenty. Okay.
0: Would you say, and I know you, I'm sure you know more about uh, U.S. medicine than I know about French medicine. So it's like, what's kind of the, what are the ones that you mentioned, kind of lifestyle choices and you know autonomy and everything like that? So. If I'm understanding correctly, there's, you know, the social system where you're working in the public hospitals Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And then there's private practice where, you know, you may be, as an orthopedic surgeon, privately replacing, you know, hips or, you know, joints and stuff, you know, for people who can afford that sort of work or everything like that. So I guess my question is, what is, what specialties are considered highly valued because they uh, they have a good lifestyle, I guess, in France. Because uh, there's n- there's now more factors because there's the public system that it seems mm-hmm. like maybe people are shying away from a bit. I guess that's the question. Are, do doctors try and shy away from the public health care system there? Or is it just some specialties?
2: I guess as an example, for ophthalmology, most of uh, specialists, once they're graduated, they would rather go for the private system. I guess also for ENT, um, radiology. It's a mixture. Can't really know whether you. Yeah, I guess it's a mixture. Like most of them are in the public uh, system, but also a lot of them also are in the private system. So uh, I wouldn't say like there is a very very competitive specialty. But at the end, sometimes like someone who's ranked at the first place is not looking for a competitive. Specialty. So he takes as an example, right? Um, a very, very non-competitive specialty, and you still have spots after that. Mm-hmm. So it's highly uh, variable based mm-hmm. on what the candidates are looking for. And I've seen this like many times. Uh, there are top-ranking candidates that aren't looking for cardiology or. They're looking for something that they liked. Um, That's the problem also here in France. Uh, We can't really figure out because we were mainly influenced by, okay, this is um, a more friendly lifestyle specialty. So we start considering it and something like that. So Mm -hmm. it's quite viable. There isn't uh, at the end, uh, okay, this most competitive specialty is A or B. Uh, it's very, it's highly variable. It's just like there is a culture. We have some specialties where most candidates lean towards.
1: Is there a big difference once people get out into their specialties in pay difference, or is it all very similar? Is that kind of a deciding factor for people how much they might get paid? It sounds like no, that they're more equal than it, they are in the United States. Kind
2: of, yeah. Uh, so there is like a plateau, I guess, of, uh, as an example, I think uh, 300,000 uh, euros. This is a plateau, I guess. Uh, it's highly variable. So like some people working in the private system in not country track how much they are getting fed. But in general, um, most of them are fed almost the same because it's a public does. system. Uh, but then in the, in the private system, the more you work, the higher you earn. Mm-hmm. So the, the salary isn't very uh, important as the size. It doesn't decide size and factor.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like there's just not as much variab- variability. Because like in the United States, you have some doctors who are making, I don't know, like $150,000 a year. And there's other doctors that might be bringing in a million dollars a year. You know, it's super variable. I don't think there's as much uh difference in income in france if i'm not mistaken i mean i'm sure there's some outliers just like there are in the united states yeah because of it's because of the public system right like if if
2: everything was private or as in your case i think it's not private and it's not uh and it's not public i think it's a mixture between both or you guys the public is a private something like (laughs) that
1: (laughs) it's very confusing. I don't even understand it. Um, But by private, do you mean, are those patients in France essentially cash pay patients? They're not using any sort of insurance. They're just paying cash. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because there are people in the United States who have kind of moved towards that model too. So we kind of have a mixture of it all. Um, But cash pay tends to be the more, you have more control over it than public or uh, insurance-based in the United States. So.
0: So you've, you know, you come to the end of, or you come to the beginning or end of year six and you select your specialty, you select orthopedics. What's your training look like mm-hmm. from there?
2: Um, then we have six years training. Um, I guess uh, I'm not quite sure how things go, but the internship is the first year. And then uh, you kind of like have more autonomy, the higher uh, you are uh, in the system. So if you're... Uh, in the third year, you will have more autonomy in the OR and, some, and so on. So.
0: And all the specialties? We have
2: every year, like, checkpoints. So,
0: kind of, mm-hmm. like, objectives to
2: reach at the end of each year.
0: And all the specialties are six years from that point? Or some shorter? Or some longer? or Some shorter, some
2: longer. So, as an example for you guys, uh, it's uh, it's called, I guess, family medicine for us. It's a uh, so uh, it's three years, uh, and then there are some uh, medical non-surgical specialties that can go for four years, and then there are like five years, and there's six years. So, so that's sounds- every specialty has.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty similar to the United States because I think orthopedic surgery is five years. I might be wrong, five or six years here in the states. And then family medicine's three as well here, and then dermatology was four. Do you guys have many fellowships afterwards? Is that kind of uh, very similar to the United States as well? Say you do orthopedic surgery, and then you decide, oh, I want to specialize in hand surgery. Is that an additional fellowship afterwards?
2: It's quite rare here. We don't have that much fellowship. But um, most of them like uh, would prefer staying as neuralists and then they can go abroad for any further small i guess short fellowships so okay. they attend the conference training of uh, 15 days and so on and then they get as an example um an extra mini degree as example in arthroscopy and something like that so
1: okay i'm, I'm seeing less people going for fellowships it's not quite uh, hmm. so that that's another big difference in the u.s the u.s yeah because yeah. a lot of people specialize here um, and maybe spend a lot longer in training than because we have you know two extra years on med school undergrad combo, and then a lot of people will take extra time after their residency to do a fellowship. And our fellowships are more at least a year, sometimes up to three or four years, so much longer than a few days or a week course. So.
2: I kind of feel like um, the U.S. system is has more uh, flexibility when it comes like you becoming highly qualified specialists Mm -hmm. for us we're mainly generalists yeah so we we get to do a lot of uh, operations Mm -hmm. as an example for orthopedic surgeon they take care of most of the cases it's not as if there is okay there's x doctor specializing very 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 heavily as an example on hip joints and so on they just have like extra degrees for specialists like community degrees where they can add them uh, to their titles.
0: Yeah. I think in the U S it's the U S encourages that in the sense that the more specialized you get, the more lucrative your career can become. So if you can become, you know, the knee guy in town, then, you know, you can you develop a more lucrative career and really yeah. get to specialize. And so I think it's kind of financially encouraged in yeah. the U.S. to, you know, because even like your fellowships, okay, you're a dermatologist, you've got a mm-hmm. certain life and everything like that. But by going and investing an extra year of your life into a fellowship, all of a sudden your career becomes dramatically more lucrative. Sure.
1: and But that's not always the case. I would say that's probably the case about 70% of the time in the US. And, and the the issue we get into is there's a lot of sub-special fellowship training that you take an extra year of making less money to do an additional year of training to make less money for the rest of your life. But people do it because they're doing something that they love and they enjoy, you know, they're choosing it because of that. But you do find that those specialties are maybe there's less people that are sub-specialized in those because It it is like more of a sacrifice to take that. So one of those examples would be pediatric dermatology. You become a dermatologist. You do an extra year to become a dermatologist that specialized in kids. Those, you know, um, specialties pay less than a general dermatologist. So you took a year hit on your income to do something that pays less overall. But, you know, people that love kids and love that side of dermatology, but there's less people. I think there are people who would be interested in doing it. And love kids, but they're not willing to take that additional sacrifice of a year of their life and training and kind of getting ahead of the student loans, which also brings in an interesting point of talking about financing medicine for you guys. How does that look? We kind of b- briefly touched on it earlier, but is it mostly subsidized and paid for by the government, or um, it sounds like you're paying a little bit?
2: Yeah, we just pay like small fees, and it highly depends on the university that you've selected. But the fees are very neglected, it isn't that expensive as you guys. So that's why, like, more people uh, get the uh, kind of like flexibility and freedom mm-hmm. to choose what they want, despite of how much it would cost to mm-hmm. them.
1: Yeah. So, do you end up having to take out loans in order to attend? school in france or do most people are most people supported by their uh families yeah most of them are
2: supported by their families it's not as if you really require a loan uh, i guess
1: it's quite rare yeah well that's awesome that's a good perk <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i would say it's the opposite in the united states it's the rarity to have somebody who has the ability to be supported by their family and get through training without any sort of
0: loans out so in exchange for that are I guess, is it expected that you will stay and work in France for a certain period of time after you graduate? Or are you guys kind of free to move about as you wish? And that's just the way it works.
2: Well, we're actually, we start getting paid from the fourth year.
0: Oh. Um,
2: very, very, very small monthly uh, salary, like oh. in uh, return of you working each morning in the hospital.
1: Wow,
0: so like so Two hundred like
2: yeah. Not really, no. Not the, not as much uh, high salary. So I guess yeah, it's like one hundred fifty euros per month. Uh, okay. 300, 200, okay. like very small fees.
1: But you're not paying any sort. You're not paying the school anymore, as you are no. in the first four four years or first three years. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And then as a resident, residents there get paid more like a. You
2: know, yeah. what's their
1: salaries. You're as like. if
2: like a worker. Okay. I guess there isn't such difference. There isn't such a big difference between both countries when it comes to residency okay. salary. Yeah. I guess you guys are getting paid higher um, as an attendee because yeah. it's a private system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but anyways, like even as I said, uh, we can't really know how much people are getting uh, as salaries in the private system because you can't really control how much they can earn. Mm. So, yeah. we don't know exactly how much they can get.
0: What about housing and stuff like that? The, you know, the expenses you kind of expect from going to a college. Is that taken care of by the universities as well, or?
2: Somehow, some uh, students get a scholarship, but uh, it's mainly, uh, I guess, people paying
1: for okay.
2: it. Or living uh, with their family. Mm-hmm living in the
1: dorms okay so there's like a dorm system or do most people live with their families i guess i was under the impression that a lot of people kind of stayed with their families in undergrad and or like in this schooling period of time yeah
0: yeah uh jumping back okay so you've selected uh you know you click the button you've selected orthopedics as your specialty you get a year into it and you're like Mm. oh i i hate this uh this is not for me do you have options there in France? I know it's not common here in the US, but you can you mm-hmm. can switch, especially you know, if you're going to switch in the US, you switch after your intern year or your first year and you're like, "Okay, this I need to make a change here. Is that a possibility there?"
2: I'm sure there is a possibility. but Honestly, I'm not quite sure how. It's either I uh, you really uh, past the exam, which I think is quite impossible. I think you you still have uh, the same score. And then based on the score you got from the last exam, you get to be ranked in the new mm-hmm. list. And then you select again, something like that, I guess. But most of people, because like we study for six years, mm-hmm. it's very rare that uh, we switch specialties. Like from the get-go, so as example, in my fourth year, I have long period to encounter orthopedic. I know exactly whether mm-hmm. I like it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys have more time in the hospital. Yeah. You know, see, it sounds like you get to see all of the specialties too. Whereas in the United States, like orthopedic surgery, not everyone even rotates on that. If you know if they're not interested in it, they don't ever see it. Um, how yeah, long? Yeah, we
2: we have. I mean, uh, we encounter most of the specialties. Like dermatology ENT, ophthalmology like these specialties i'm sure you guys yeah. don't rotate sure through
1: yeah no those are um, all but for us we do optional yeah yeah those are all the ones you just listed are all optional i rotated in all of those because i was interested in all those fields but um those are all optional my some of my friends never did a dermatology resident or rotation at all you know um so i, I think that that's good i even talked about how i saw some things in my intern year that i'd never seen you know in medical school because i didn't rotate on them how long are these yeah but in for? our
2: way <clears throat> yeah but in our way and so since like we're rotating through a lot of specialties kind of get into the nerdy gritty stuff of every specialty and you feel like this is overwhelming uh, so mm-hmm. you'll go through Ophthalmology and then EAT and then neurology and psychiatry. If you like, you're getting 2 you're getting to specialize, although your whole training should be so that you are a generalist. So, you know, uh, the basics in everything. So, but it's kind of gets overwhelming, I guess. Yeah. Uh, as far as I've experienced that in
1: the here. How long is the, a rotation? You said, you know, that like the block you're just mentioning is uh, neurology, uh, ophthalmology, ENT, and psychiatry. That's all one module, right? Yeah. And so how long if is that? It's
2: affairs Every uh, university okay. uh, has, but like based on uh, the open spots in the hospital, based on the availability of uh, also uh, the doctor, which will supervise us. Uh, I guess, like, maximum duration of each block uh, should be, like, uh, three months max. Okay.
1: Yeah, so... Three,
0: two months max, yeah. So what is uh, actually rotating in the... Is this... I imagine it kind of depends on the university as well. So, you know, if you're in Paris, you're probably rotating in big hospitals and stuff like that. Are there other universities where they're more rural or, you know, kind of working in smaller clinics and... Areas like that, or is it all kind of university hospital-based?
2: We study in university hospital, so I think this is the requirement for every university. Uh, Like, despite where you are, there must be university hospital, Mm -hmm. because there must be someone who's going to supervise you and uh, take care of your uh, teaching process and so on. So, you can't just go to, as an example, there is a, a medical school which is affiliated with a, a private clinic, and uh, the, the, the doctors there aren't fully aware of your training system and so on and your curriculum. So, there must be, uh, for us, we call it le maître assistant, le professeur. So, they have certain degrees uh, per, per year. So the more advanced uh, the teacher is, the better quality you
0: will get. It's a little different than here in the U.S. where they're like, um, they almost just throw them out to the wind and they're like, hey, if you can find somewhere to study, like, go do it. And, you know, if you can arrange your own rotation, like, go do it. Or, you know, it's they're willing to let you go and study with anyone almost uh, anywhere uh
1: that's not always the case not but always the case some but, schools that are like that yes
0: but they also lob out those uh you know those associate professorships like uh <laughs> Lindsay. i don't have one <laughs> but they they throw those out like candy so that they can i think they just want as diverse a crowd able to teach the students as possible and, yeah
1: i'm called a clinical instructor oh okay which is like Oh, you can teach students.
0: Yeah. They can come hang out with you. And they but just yeah. they throw them out by candy. like candy. <laughs> she did nothing to earn that. <laughs> wow. Did you? It's going to get revoked now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went to school for a long time, and then I agreed to teach students.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, all you have to do is agree to teach students. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I, mean, that's, I guess that's medical students and residents both. So,
0: yeah. What have you uh what have you enjoyed most about you know your past four years here?
2: Um I guess yeah coming up with a diagnosis and fixing uh fixing the problem immediately. Like I like that as an example in the emergency, you kind of stabilize the patients. Uh in the UR, the patient comes uh with a certain problem and then it comes back as if nothing happened. Uh, I prefer. I, I really enjoy uh, the immediate uh, relief you give you for the patients. Mm-hmm. this is what I truly like. That's why, as I said, like yeah, I found myself leaning towards surgery uh, instead of going uh, to a specialty where it's one hundred percent medical, where there are a lot of management and managing chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. And as an example for years to get and see the results for me. I'm quite an adrenaline person, so I prefer things going too fast.
1: There you go.
0: Yeah. We've got an adrenaline. Um, uh, I just had something on the tip of my head. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh. Uh, you talked about what you liked. Uh, what was what's something you struggled with? You mentioned in the second year you kind of had a little bit of a uh, a second thought. I think. Uh,
2: Yeah, I guess, as I said, um, going for one degree for a long period, it feels like you're never going to end this. Uh, I I know that medicine in the overall, it never ends, Mm -hmm. but even the medical degree for us, looks like (laughs) it's an infinite project. So even for me, I've I've passed so far like four years, but I feel like I'm still too far from the end point. Um, and I'm more of a multitasking person, so I love doing a lot of things in parallel. Like, I get bored very quickly and easily when I stick to one thing. Uh, so I really prefer diversifying my day. So I, I used to do swimming, and then I and was like, I, I kind of, like, didn't find the time because I was more into competitive swimming, going and practicing like four times a week, five times a week was quite demanding for the degree that I chose. So I ended up going only for the gym so to maintain uh, my physique. Um, and then, like, I discovered, okay, uh, let's uh, see if there is anything that I can do in my spare time. So I started. Uh, drawing uh, because like we were required to draw for anatomy. So it wasn't like as if I was previously an artist. Uh it's just because like our teacher uh required us to draw some anatomy figures uh, during uh liter based don't let pratiques, so practical uh workshops where we do uh in each module. So can I, like started discovering uh, okay, so I started, I joined a lot of organizations and I felt like I'm more leaning towards the management side, um, managing and doing things. As I said in parallel. So kind of like from the same year because I felt like things are becoming too boring and I'm losing it. Just doing like medicine wasn't for me. So I started uh, navigating through the journey and seeing what are the things that can go well with my personality and then it made me feeling overwhelmed honestly like uh, getting bored and doing nothing is a problem and doing everything mm. with medical school is a problem yeah. so you never get to the the point of having everything figured out
1: no, I don't think anybody does I don't even think you get to that point in your career like when you're out yeah how much time do you feel like you have to do extracurricular things outside of medicine? What are your kind of hours like? And I'm sure studying is part of that too, that is variable based on the person. But
2: I guess it's a priority game. Yeah. Um, so every two weeks, I see, okay, how much am I far from the exam? Mm-hmm. And the closer I get, the less I do. This is how I do. Like okay. I don't have like a very strict schedule saying, okay, um, I'm going to do this today and doing this tomorrow. I just spend two days ahead max, and see whether I've finished uh, my to-do list or not, uh, seeing whether there are any um, tasks by the university or night shifts, mm-hmm. and I see how can I fit the schedule. So it's just like, okay, go and see how can I figure out things while doing medicine. So usually I work uh, during the weekend um, or uh, sometimes like when uh, I'm ahead of my revision timeline. So I have some quiet time. And uh, so post 5 p.m. we start doing the work. And of course, like the meetings are always uh, have uh, fixed spots, whatever and whatever it happened, unless like, uh, as far as as an example the call, was rescheduled many times, but um I try to avoid this
1: most of the time. But it just gets out of the hand mm. sometimes. So your hospital hours are like seven a.m. to five, and is that Monday through Friday, or is it pretty variable based on rotation? How does that look in France versus
2: US? It's different, but for my university at least, uh, we start from eight to twelve, from eight to twelve, and then we go to classes uh, for the night shifts. Uh, Sometimes it's 24 hours, sometimes it's 12 hours. Uh, So it's quite variable. And some uh, shifts, uh, not shifts, um, some morning duties are optional, some uh, are obligated. So you're required to go to the hospital in the morning and sometimes we're not required, it's voluntary, so. That's why, like, we have uh, the the evening for us, mm-hmm. most of the time.
0: And does this change as you get closer to year six? Do you guys spend more and more time in the hospital, or is it always kind of, you know, a part day in the hospital and then a part a day at class?
2: I like the uh, fourth, fifth, sixth year is always have uh, the, the same schedule. Except, for example, some blocks. As example, I guess in the sixth year we go uh, for emergency. So it's gonna be more than um, emergency medicine. And then we have a blog for therapeutic. So uh, therapeutic means uh, therapy. So how you you do your prescription, how you prescribe medication. So this wouldn't be, this wouldn't really require uh, us to go to the hospital that much. It's okay. gonna be mainly courses and learning from the doctors things it's not contraindicated, things that you should be careful of, and so on.
0: Well, I think uh, this kind of transitions us into your business. Unless yeah. there's, Can we think of anything else I think
1: to that, ask about? No, it? Yeah. I think that was a, a good – you have such a good knowledge of uh, the United States system as well probably because of your interest in yeah it because too. i'm
2: working with uh u.s doctors like as an example one of our team artists uh he's uh a neurologist he's in florida so Ooh, okay. and we so, have another one yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay so we'll we'll swing into this now uh so we'll start with once again we're just gonna start right over so you did you draw as a child you kind of mentioned you know you you were a bit of an artist i think
1: or did you pick this up in med school i picked up this uh, from med school honestly
2: Uh, as i said uh, i'm not really an artistic person i'm an adrenaline person so i love adventures and going for the rush um but from med school i figured out that i can draw (laughs) so i started drawing for my teacher and then, like he asked me to do uh, some drawings for his upcoming textbook, and from that point, I remember it, uh, in the summer uh, I started practicing more. So I thought, like, okay, uh, uh, I can draw these things, but let's make it different. So instead of me just drawing boring uh, anatomical structure that anyone knows, like from the Nether Atlas and so on, mm-hmm. I thought okay how can i switch this and make it look abstract so that anyone even outside of medicine can get interested into it Uh, so i started the a b testing and uh, from there uh, i started uh, testing some uh, abstract art pieces and sending them to uh, my family my friends looking for feedback and from that point okay no one is doing such things so mm-hmm. uh let's uh, see how can i do it and from there i had uh, my uh, friend i yeah, i at school so she, she's also an artist and she never thought of uh, making abstract and, and irony art pieces so she's an, uh, like a vague artist so she draws uh, surreal art she's more into in the surreal arts uh, so she helped me. We, we started as two, two people uh, looking for how we can turn anatomy art pieces into abstract, mm. modern, contemporary artwork. And uh, from there, we started developing our own styles. For me, it was uh, oil painting and uh, line art. Uh, and for her, she started with minimalistic design since uh, that was okay. the, ha- the most trend. And we started with, as two. Yeah, that, that was our small
1: team. And so this just came about, did you guys, did you know this person beforehand? Or did you guys discover like, oh, look, we both can draw because we're drawing for our anatomy class <laughs> in med school? <laughs> no, for, for her, it wasn't the case. Like she was an artist from a long
2: time ago. For me, uh, I discovered from yeah. my anatomy art pieces. Uh, but her, I asked her, okay, think of drawing and uh, art piece. Like, we both know the anatomy. You ha- and, I, and for me, like, I really admired her artwork. So uh, I was uh, so excited to, for her to join me and believe in my uh, mission. So from there, we kind of figured out the design side for us. Yeah,
0: because I definitely, you know, we were... Of, and we spoke earlier that we were uh, looking at the website last night with uh, some of Lindsay's friends, and I noticed one. There's two definite different styles there, so I assume you know that's the style between you and what is her name? Aya. Aya. And then also, but that the, there was quite a bit of new artwork on there as well. Uh, it seems like you guys have been quite busy adding artists and artwork. But it's a very interesting idea that this is not just a. Uh, it's not just you, but it's kind of a collaboration mm. of physician artists, and it sounds like you're even working with some physicians here in the U.S. who are gonna. Okay.
2: How did you? Yeah, currently, get... uh, currently we have we're only two, so all the art pieces and oh. the, the websites are made by us two. Uh, but as I said, like we we have now a team of five other artists uh, that are joining. We have we have even from the U.K., the U.S., from Germany uh so it's quite uh, diversified and we're thinking of introducing them as a, a, co- a collaborative collaborative artist uh for only canvas collection so for now me and her we're working on prints but we wanted something more fancy yeah. uh, something that can be used in the clinics like and uh i can kind of uh, make up a uh, whole uh, space from uh, the wall, so we started we thought of uh, the canvas uh, so now we're going to have a lot of new collections with uh, every artist having have his own style so as an example the one uh, in uh, from the uk she's an artist uh, she's an objian resident in the uk and uh, she's uh, drawing uh, the renaissance uh, art design Nouveau art it's called so um, I feel like if you know this, but uh, uh, if you've ever gone to uh, Christian uh, churches, yeah. you'll find like a lot of uh, mm. antique, uh, small designs of uh, flowers and women. So we're going to turn organs into characters for her. Yeah. So the heart will be a woman with a specific, uh, as an example,
1: color of hair, color uh, of the dress, these will change. Nice. And so this will, all these, these five additional artists will all be just canvas art. Um, so like yeah, one piece of so they sending.
0: Nice.
2: Not one piece, but a collection. Okay. So a collection of many canvas pieces.
0: Okay at what point so you got together with your partner and at what point does this become like okay Mm -hmm. we're going to turn this into a business we're going to you know try and try and make something serious out of this
2: it was me actually like for her she has been an artist for a long time but she just did this for fun I guess Mm -hmm. for her but for me I was like okay I searched because for for my case I started seeing what other artists are doing then i found like only artists win a very basic uh anatomy artwork that can be expected from any artist book Uh, so i saw that there is a gap in the markets and i thought why not test the idea and see if doctors and medical health professionals in the overall would like it surprisingly even people outside of medical health uh, medical health professional field uh, like the idea that's the artwork is inspired from their
1: body. Mm. So, and so, how long after this like epiphany that you learned you could draw? Like, what's the what was the timeline until you're kind of getting um, with your partner and then starting a business? And then, what did the starting the business part look like for you?
2: Surpre- surprisingly, it was during the COVID time. Mm. So we had a lot of spare time uh, at home doing nothing or. You know, surrounded by four walls for the next five six months so i started learning how to create a website how to market how to do copywriting and so like the basic marketing business things only learning from youtube honestly like it's not as if i paid for a course or something like that so that's why i really advise any anyone who's interested in going into business start with youtube mm-hmm. like don't go crazy and pay for very expensive courses and expecting okay once i pay for one thousand dollars course next time i will turn it into i don't know twenty thousand dollars or something like that it yeah. doesn't go this way you need to just go for it because for like for me i'm a doer. as i said like i'm doing an operation a person so i didn't uh think of okay what if it fails or something like that i was going all for the journey so Let's test this. So we started with five uh, to ten art pieces, like we just drawn one art piece per specialty, so that we test. And then we tested, and we marketed uh, through uh, pet ads. And from the ped ads, uh, we saw large support from uh, the doctors and even medical students and like said, non-healthcare professionals. Um, so it was only by creating. Mini milestones not going for the big fish right. at the end of points so just test your hypothesis yeah. see whether it works get feedback from customers as an example um david back then told me that why not you guys create uh get ready uh, canvas our i guess um material so that yeah the, the design is ready to be hunk Uh, on the wall yeah Uh, so yeah we kind of like always think of okay what the customer is looking for Mm -hmm. and from there we create and optimize our products so that's why i'm telling people like even medical students you like you may think uh and even residents or even doctors uh, it doesn't care it doesn't matter uh the main point is that you have an idea so uh, for us in the medical field it's not only about uh, art or anatomy like there are a lot of uh, med tech companies and startups like mm-hmm. even for me i'm thinking of uh, going and creating another second business in the med tech field so med tech startup but uh, the main yeah <laughs> but the main point is that you need to think about your idea okay what are the next mini milestones i need to set up and see my minimal viable product if it, if the customers want it because your idea will always be the best for you so you need to test it out and give it to the market and see whether it works mm-hmm. for them or not uh, so it's all about testing not only learning 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 it's not medical school where you learn 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 and then Oops, I'm an intern and I know nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you should uh, test, 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 and not fear from
1: failing. Which is kind of a medical thing, too. Like, you brought it up, like, test your come up with the hypothesis and then test it. I mean, more of, like, a research side of things, but you're yeah, so wise to, you know, kind of use that in your daily life and not just stick with, I think, as doctors, we do the yeah. medicine thing. Like, okay, I'm going to put everything into this thing and then it'll pay off. you were saying just use youtube use your resources and kind of take it step by step instead of diving in head first as doctors tend to do i think
0: yeah i got my yeah just with the clinical
2: (laughs) (laughs) just with clinical research like new literature getting your hypothesis and then creating your protocol study so the same thing goes for business yeah that's why uh the i guess the entrepreneurial field needs more medical health professionals and especially like uh investors that are looking for med tech campaigns like i've read uh, an article a long, long time ago uh, saying that there is a huge market gap in the med tech field and uh, it's like medical health professionals are very busy with their lifestyle that they don't go too much with that mm. and it's not it's uh, it's completely the opposite so as an example a doctor or a resident uh comes with an engineer and then they create a marvelous idea because we know better about the medical mm-hmm. professionals not someone else thinking of a random idea like we know the problems and we're facing them daily mm-hmm. so we should be the the ones, the ones who are going to a solution yeah. yeah
1: for sure
0: where do you think you got your entrepreneurship sort of streak from is that a family thing or did you just go out and decide to do it is it maybe a little bit of the adrenaline uh, junkie in you that yeah taking a risk you know, yeah you like to risk like that
2: i think yeah uh, it's mostly about my personality so as i said i i don't fear anything as i said like at any at any point I would go for the USMLE and <laughs> think, and uh, not thinking twice. So it's just like you shouldn't really fear and double plan on everything. Uh, but I guess it was mainly from me working in organizations. Yeah, in my, during my first, second years of med school, I joined a lot of international organizations where where there is a lot of management. So being a team leader, creating mini group knowing nothing and being the leader of people who are even older than me so i felt like okay i can manage people Uh, i'm enjoying managing people i'm enjoying solving problems Uh, so kind of like i liked and then i kind of um implemented all what i've learned throughout my business journey so for people out there just go for organizations volunteer Learn how to manage uh, so that you get to learn new skills.
1: Yeah, and way to use your COVID time so wisely. Yeah. You make me feel like I did nothing during COVID. (laughs) You started a whole (laughs) successful business. (laughs) It's, uh, I guess, because uh, I kind of like, uh,
2: it was back then, yeah, second year. Second year was my second year. So it was not the hardest year during our curriculum for us, I guess, third year, it was so intense. Uh, so it was post-COVID. Not, not post-COVID, where COVID have been, has been yeah. long with us so far. Yeah. So I, I guess one year post-COVID was the third year. So mm. I thought like, okay, what did I do to myself? Uh, I'm not being able to manage my business and my studies mm. together. But at the end, as I said, you shouldn't really figure out things. You just go with the phone so it's just like you need to optimize your spare time i i wouldn't advise anyone to just go as an example go for a business or go and join an organization do what you like uh so for me uh obviously was swimming and then i did not find time so i stopped swimming and i started discovering other things for me it shouldn't be like something that would get you money but something that would get you comfort and yeah as a as a relief time for you so just try to optimize your time outside of school. Don't just run uh, throughout, like, behind uh, the CV and, okay, like, research, sign mm-hmm. like, publications, like, I need, I Sure, you need to get these
1: things done, but you still would have time, spare time doing other things. Well, and those are the things that make you a well-rounded human being, too. And in the United States, like, applications to residencies and things like that, if you said, like, oh, I spent all my spare time swimming, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes you you, you know? It doesn't have to be, like you said, something that makes money or something that is even medical-related in that sense. I think, yeah, just using something to be a more well-rounded human is is a good good idea.
2: Um, yeah, and I guess for the U.S., you guys need to have well-rounded CV, and they will yeah. ask you for your extra colloquial curves in the, in the interview.
1: Perhaps we don't have that, but We still do it so yeah so how you um your printing shop is in the united states is that right
2: technically the business is registered in the u.s because we found that most of our customers are in the u.s uh so it's it's registered there not in france but we've partnered with different printing studios around the world uh so we have uh, two in the u.s one in texas and one in north carolina and uh, for Europe, we have one in Latvia and uh, one in Spain. And uh, for uh, South America, we have one in Brazil. Uh, for, uh, for Canada, we have one in Toronto. Mm, wow. uh, for Asia, we have one in Japan. So we try to uh, spread our printing facilities like our printing Facilities partners across the world so that we have shorter shipping times. Yeah. So it's not as if I'm shipping them from France and people will wait one month to get the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, there is going to be some delays from our with our shipping providers, but it's not as if you're
1: waiting the whole time. Um, it's, I guess, a moderate shipping time. Have you been in charge of all of this logistics management, too? Or did you hire someone to help yeah. you with it? So I started uh, myself
2: doing everything, and then it was out of control, so I hired an expert for that.
1: Okay, yeah. How has the business kind of evolved in that sense of, like, hiring help? You know, it started out as just you two, and then you kind of learned all the business stuff, but I'm sure at this point you've hired some people to help you, it sounds like. how How has that evolved over time?
2: yeah for me the problem with my personality is that i always love uh doing the thing myself first and learn the basics see what are my missing points and what are the things that i have the most difficulties with so that when i hire someone else i know how can i track them it's not as if i'm a foolish person and he's telling me that he's going to give me the moon and he's giving me nothing and i'm so that's why i always love uh testing so i'm going to hire someone else to do it first of course like you can be experts expert at any at everything but at least you know when you have uh, quite a quite good idea on what your like what your employee is expecting so uh from there uh, first it was logistics and finance, me taking care of them and then i found that i can do them especially with uh like during clinical years Mm -hmm. where my mornings are all caught up um so i hired someone to do that and for marketing was the same case it was just me reaching out uh, to influencers uh uh, on instagram and on youtube and that now it's not a case like we have uh, an agency running uh, ads for us and so on so, it's just like you evolving. Uh, it's not as if, okay, I'm paying for a course and I'm expecting that I will be the expert once I finish the course. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Uh, you know something, you test it. If it doesn't work, you should learn why you didn't, and I'll seek uh, help from mm-hmm. anyone else.
0: Yeah, and it's just. A managing of your resources right there's only so many hours in your day and so much energy you can dedicate to it so it's like okay at this point i need i need i can't learn i can't be the expert marketer i need to find somebody who can be my expert marketer and somebody i can trust to manage this side of things for me and you know i need these print shops to take i can't ship these artworks all over the world in my spare time i need print shops who are going to print these and ship them out you know Oh, okay.
2: Especially that it's a global business and we have customers from all around the world, not only in the U.S. Yeah. So we're required to set uh, the quality up higher yeah. and still having customers satisfied most of the time. Because I can't just like, as an example, I don't know, I'm, in, I'm in the hospital and then there is uh, someone out seeking help as a customer. Okay, uh, my artwork is missed. Are lost in the transit, and I find myself okay, I can't give the good care to my mm-hmm. patients, and I can't give the good care to the customer. Mm-hmm. So, you should find someone else to do this. Yeah. Uh, optimize your time. Delegated is a very, very uh, high skill.
0: I'm glaring at Lindsay right now who can't delegate. Oh, yeah. On it. <laughs> uh, so did It's this...
2: hard because it you, you always think you're the best, yeah. and you can't trust someone else. Yeah, do like you need
1: to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um,
0: did this blow up way bigger than you thought it was going to be a couple of years ago?
1: Exactly.
2: I didn't think uh, it was just as an example. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Dr. Glackenslicken. Yep. Uh, yeah, Dr. Glackenslicken. He's a comedian. Oh yes. yes. He's an ophthalmologist. Yes. Yeah. So
0: he's, he's actually very yeah. close to us over here.
2: He's in ah, okay. Yeah,
0: he works yeah. in Oregon. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Uh, I remember I reached out to him for uh, him uh, partnering with us and he was so, so nice. And uh, he admired the artwork and he said, okay, let's just spread the word. And uh, from there, uh, we reached out a lot of people, Uh, like the artists I'm working with now are coming from Dr. Block and Flick and Video. So people saying, okay, this is an artwork uh, studio. Uh, can we join and that's the point we're inviting anyone who is uh, an artist uh, from your podcast to join us and get a passive income uh, from the business because uh, my main point at at first time was generating passive income for myself Mm. but uh, for now that we we know that the idea is needed and a lot of uh, people are interested uh, in uh, anatomy artwork so now why not uh, spread the list of that? Anyone who loves to join anatomy art pieces, or even if uh, someone was nice, so not knowing he's a good artist, and then you figured out. And drawing. like we don't have uh, high requirements if we like the art piece you're in. Uh, not a big deal, uh, we don't care where you are from, or where do you live. We're, we're a global business, we're inviting anyone.
1: How much time do you get to draw still? Like, do you get a lot of joy out of drawing and painting? And do you still get to do that much? Or are you spending more of your time kind of in medicine, clinicals and then like managing the business side of things?
2: It's becoming stressful, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. For now, as an example, uh, I'm on vacation. So I have spare time. But I feel like, okay, I really want to manage things that I wasn't able to manage when I was in my school. Uh, so not like for now uh, i had uh, a long to-do list of new art pieces and the time we start drawing but i still haven't yet yeah, started um it's just because i'm having a lot of things to get things to take off from my checklist mm-hmm. and then once i finish everything and i have like one month doing whatever i want or having weekends wherever i want then i have the freedom to draw what I want because drawing requires time and requires freedom and you have uh, and, and you're in peace you're not, you're not having an exam ahead of you uh, to, to draw mm-hmm. a quality artwork
1: yeah I hear that a lot people who take a hobby and make it into a business sometimes lose the joy in the hobby that they had before which is kind of one of the negatives I guess I don't have any good advice on yeah, Keeping never never
0: thing. do something you love as uh, your job. I think is the saying. Or <laughs> unless you, you want know, to turn. That's the
2: complete opposite code.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's hard. But um, it sounds like you you spend a lot of your time kind of in meetings and dealing with a uh, time zone changes.
0: Yeah, we couldn't. Even, we yeah. Couldn't, we can't figure out time yeah. zones. <laughs> time zones are
1: complicated.
0: <laughs> and daylight yeah. savings
1: time and. I blame daylight savings time on all of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i its uh, just like here you're going to figure out some spare time as i said like i'm working yeah. on the castle canvas collection i'll definitely find time to do so because i'm excited myself
0: yeah yeah definitely being able to start a new collection and work mm-hmm. with other people and Take it to the next level, I'm sure is exciting. And uh, it's just a matter of having the time crunch right now where there's just so much yeah. going on in life. I can't imagine, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, I don't think most uh, medical students could imagine trying to start and run a no. business like in their third year or. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think
1: COVID spurred this. And then now it's how do I do this now that we're back in full yeah. swing of things? And yeah, that's you. And, but you still want to do another business. So obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you're not scared of the time commitment and things so it sounds like scheduling yourself has been helpful in yeah. kind of keeping the important you things just need, you
2: just need to know uh, what are you supposed to finish mm-hmm. uh, by the time the day is finished so not a big deal of kind of making a huge agenda okay from 2 to 3pm I'm going to do this from 3 to 5pm I'm going to do yes. this no just do some uh, like prioritize your three or four uh, high priority tasks and then the remaining uh, to-do, li- uh, to-do tasks the list. If you get to finish them, finish them. If not, try to reschedule them mm-hmm. another day. Uh, it shouldn't be very stressful. So if it was like, as an example, if I was very committed to finish everything during the day, you know, we stressed out. Uh, I would feel like, okay, I didn't finish one more mm-hmm. left. In my uh, to do list. So then the whole, the whole day was a failure for me. And it's not the case. Uh, at least if I finish one high priority task during the day, I feel fully satisfied. Uh, it's just you need to enjoy what you're doing and not feeling very stressed about it.
1: That's good advice.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps things up. We can certainly give you a chance to give yourself a plug here. It's doctorartwork.com. And where else can people find you?
2: okay so we're, we're in social media so you can find us on instagram and facebook and pinterest like uh for now uh we're managing of going for tiktok but anyways if you are interested in getting any anatomy artwork go for drartwork.com, and you will find all the art pieces there and if anyone is interested in another art design that is not available on the store it does on the chatbot spot uh, the short and uh, we will see how we can do customize our work mm-hmm. for our customers
0: or maybe if there's a doctor or a physician out there who's a great artist maybe they can touch base with you and be like hey you know here's some of my work I'd exactly to, uh, just email us and-
2: <laughs> yeah just email us and uh, send us your portfolio so any art designs you did before and we will see if it's a fa- if it's the
1: case then Congratulations! You have a new bus. Thank Well, and we will have all of that information in uh, yeah the, on, the website, on the website and the posts yeah. and everything
0: like that. You can get to it. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yes. It was interesting. It was nice to meet you. Hear all about. We nice had a long for email me. thread back and
1: forth, so it was very nice to finally yeah see each other and talk yeah. and get to hear more about everything and all the exciting things that are to come. Super excited for you.
0: With that being uh-huh. said, I'll,
2: thank you for having me.
1: Of course.
0: Goodbye, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in.